Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. Somebody asked me last night, Rush, since since you know these people so well and you know what's going to happen, is it ever just get old hat and boring when it does happen and it happens exactly as you say? I said, no, it's kind of like playing golf. Hitting a straight down the middle drive never gets boring, right, Brian? Never gets boring. It just continues to be fun. Great to have you with us, folks. Here we are, three more hours straight ahead. Broadcast excellence, El Rushbo at 800-282-2882. The email address, El Rushbo at eibnet.us. Let me share with you some headlines here. Uh, I have, as usual, an entirely different take on what happened last night than what you're getting in the drive-by media. And my, t- I want to. I just ask you a series of questions as my take on this. But here are the headlines from the drive-bys that that this is all conventional wisdom. This is this is all, um, I don't know, so utterly predictable. Narrow win in New Hampshire bolsters Sanders front runner status. All right, just bank all this, and we're going to come back to it. Is it already too late for the establishment to stop Bernie? What establishment? You mean they're not, they're admitting there's a Democrat establishment? Is it, and is it too late to stop crazy Bernie? Why Joe Biden's campaign is collapsing? Grab audio soundbite number one. I want to play for you something I said back on May 1st, 2019. When Joe Biden first got in this race, some of you will remember this. I'm going to whisper this to you because I don't want you just keep this between you and me. okay? turn your radios up a little bit so you can hear this because I don't want this to get out. Don't anybody tweet this. Don't anybody put it on Facebook. But old Joe is not going to be able to handle the rigors. It ain't going to be long, folks. Going to have to going to have to pull out. Now what did I know that these wizards of smart in mainstream media news didn't know? Where in his track record has Joe Biden ever won anything in any presidential contest he's entered? I'm not trying to be mean. I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. This is just fact-based analysis, intelligence guided by experience or vice versa. There is no way Joe Biden was ever going to be the nominee of the Democrat Party. It wasn't going to happen because it hasn't happened when he's tried before. He hasn't done anything to erase the negatives that happened in the past. The fact that he was Obama's vice president and Obama won't even endorse him and that Obama's out telling other Democrat candidates that Biden doesn't even have a connection with voters. In other words, Biden, Obama was telling, you know, Obama's office in Washington, he's been receiving Democrat candidates. They're coming in, they're asking him for advice and so forth, and he's been handing it out. But that, that's another questionable thing. I mean, the people Obama endorses lose as well. But some of these Democrat candidates are reporting that when they went in to seek advice and counsel from Obama, 
that Obama would say things, you know, when, when in 2008, when I went into Iowa, I had a deep connection with Iowa voters, but I've lost that connection. They don't last forever in politics. But he said, let me tell you somebody who never had it, and that's Joe Biden. Now, what he meant was Biden didn't do a thing to help Obama get elected in Obama's mind. But you know where Biden was valuable to Obama? And I I guess this doesn't count for much. You can't find anybody more loyal to Barack Obama than Joe Biden was. Whenever Obama was in any trouble, whenever they needed somebody to stick up for Obama, his car- whatever it was, they brought Biden out at the convention or wherever, and there was nobody better to sing the virtues and praises of Obama than Biden, and he did it. And this is his reward. It's a cutthroat business, but he was never going to be the nominee. Well, what about all the polls, Rush? What about all the polls the past year that show him as the front runner? Yeah, what about those polls? What what do they mean? Another thing that I have been attempting to get people to pay attention to, and that is ignore all of these polls that are taken months before any kind of an election because they don't matter. That's not their purpose. These people that had Biden as the front runner for the last five months ought to be getting out of business by now, don't you think? I have never believed that Biden was going to be the nominee. And I've made that abundantly clear on many occasions. It has nothing to do with what I think of him. It has nothing to do with whether I like him or not. Just straight up and down political analysis that frankly isn't hard. But these people in the drive-by media get all caught up in the fact that he's an ex-vice president and that's the number one qualifier. He's a sitting vice president. He was Obama's vice president. By golly, by gosh, that's who the establishment Democrats ought to want. Well, they don't. And they never did. And why did Biden get in the first place? He had to be dragged into this. Does anybody remember this? Biden didn't really want to do it. They had to drag him in there, and that's because of crazy Bernie. Now, you just stick with me here. I want to go through the rest of these headlines. Why Biden's campaign's... Can I, I had an answer to that one right here. And it's not, this story is from uh, Ben Dominich in the, um, in the New York Post. But let me, let me tell you why <laughs> this is great. Never Trump Republicans were secretly working on the Biden campaign. Did you know this? Emails obtained by the New York Post show that two top staffers from John Kasich's failed 2016 primary campaign were among those involved in efforts to boost support for Biden in the Hawkeye Hawkeye and the New Hampshire primary. Documents attached to one email showed the uh, the group planned to identify and target at least 5,000 Democrats from the conservative voter base in each of Iowa's four congressional districts and then use that information in suppression, persuasion, and get-out-the-vote efforts. So you had a bunch of never-Trumpers. A bunch of Republican never-Trumpers, including Kasich's people, 
trying to help Biden get elected, trying to help Biden get the nominee because they can't stand Trump. They hate Trump. They can't find a way to get rid of Trump. So they figured the best way to get rid of Trump is Biden. So these never Trumpers struck out again, demonstrating once again, they don't have a feel for the electorate. They don't have a feel for what the American people, they don't have a feel for what their own party voters want. Never Trump Republicans helping Joe Biden. Why? You want to talk about the kiss of death. And it happened. I find it funny. I find it immensely satisfying. Got a bunch of nose out of joint, never Trump Republicans who have it in their heads that they've got to hate Trump for reasons they can't even enunciate anymore. Despite every supposed policy they told us all those years they endorsed, now being implemented and working, that doesn't matter to them. they got to get rid of the guy who's implementing everything they've ever believed or said they believed. And they have been working to undermine Donald Trump since the campaign of 2016. Now they've been working to undermine Trump's re-election. They probably had a lot to do with um, all the Russia impeachment hoax stuff. Now they've been helping Biden. Is it any wonder the guy went down the tubes? Of course, Biden was capable of that all by himself. But with the assistance of John Kasich and his campaign team... Biden's failure was thus guaranteed and assured. There's another headline here. Uh, Biden would show selfless patriotism by quitting the race. That is Peter Funt, USA Today. The Democrats have the strangest definitions of patriotism. Biden would show selfless patriotism by quitting the race. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you people one thing here. Joe Biden still has value to the Democrats that they may not realize, because I'll tell you, if Biden, well, Biden's finished. And you know what that means? That means that a significant percentage of the black vote is legitimately up for grabs by Donald Trump. That's what that means. And that is is going to dawn on these people the minute they for the minute it's official that Biden's it's official now but it's not official cuz he's still in there but he's done but once it's official once it's you know, after Nevada South Carolina you watch panic is going to set in here's Byron York Washington Examiner what happened to Elizabeth Warren what happened to Elizabeth Warren can you say she tried to say she's an Indian what do you mean what happened to Elizabeth Warren? And then she said that, she, that her kids didn't go to private school when she can't tell the truth. What happened to Elizabeth Warren? How about you didn't build that? What happened to Elizabeth Warren? The question is, why was she ever viable? Why did Elizabeth Warren ever? Now, maybe within the context of the Democrat nomination, you can say that, uh, that she thought. But you, th- th- these are people that get caught up in their own created media narratives that are oftentimes, well, created absent any consideration of public opinion. Or maybe they calculate public opinion by by looking at polls, which have Biden as the clear frontrunner with nobody even close. There's a lot less gut 
being utilized by political analysts. And it's, let's see, Amy Klobuchar is the thinking moderate. I'm sorry, Amy Klobuchar is the thinking moderate Democrats candidate. That's in Vox. You know, they've got a word for what happened, a Klobuchar clobmentum. It sounds like a constipation drug you might see on TV, clobmentum. Greetings and welcome back. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations. El Rushbo here behind the Golden EIB microphone. And just as a reminder, I may have to hit the cough button here or there. I may sniffle a few times, still getting over a case of the flu from the from the past weekend. Also, uh, getting into detail on this uh, supposed kerfuffle of the Justice Department with these four Mueller prosecutors, so-called prosecutors, quitting. This is some of the best news to come down the pike in a long time, this whole business about the sentencing of Roger Stone. We'll get to it in uh, in due course. But I, I, I want to finish what we started here, and I want to present you the options I think the Democrat Party's faced with. After what happened at the Hawkeye Kokai and in the New Hampshire primary. But first, uh, more evidence that you're right where you need to be. If you want to know what's first and if you want to be cutting edge political analysis, last night, CNN special coverage, New Hampshire primary, former Governor Terry the Punk McAuliffe. The Clinton campaign, the Clinton White House, uh, governor of Virginia, had this to say. You've got to give this guy credit. I mean, he came in first in Iowa. It looks like he's going to be second tonight. This was a guy of a mayor of a small town a year ago. Nobody gave this guy a chance. Talking about Mayor Pete Booty Judge. Uh, nobody ever heard of this guy. Nobody knew where this guy was. Nobody, uh, not so fast. Let's go back to 11 months ago today. Keep a sharp eye out for Mayor Pete. Keep an eye on this guy is going to make mincemeat of all the rest of these people. When his time comes to face these people in debate, if he gets that far, keep an eye on Mayor Pete of South Bend. It's all I'm going to say. This guy was articulate for what he believes. He was personable. He had an answer for everything. Everything, there was no, and you know, I like that, and there was no radicalism. Some things that he believes about Trump are typically crazy, but keep an eye out for Mayor Pete. He's 37. Keep an eye out for Mayor Pete. Snurdly has been ticked off at me for making that observation nearly a year ago because Snurdly believes, had I not made the observation, a lot of people would not have given Mayor Pete booty judge the time of day. But just to illustrate, now, now, Mayor Pete is, like every other leftist Democrat in this whole roster, a fraud in the sense that he's trying to cover up the fact that he is a radical leftist. His dad was a Marxist communist who loved the Communist Manifesto. Mayor Pete is trying to carve a niche for himself where he's not Crazy Bernie, because Crazy Bernie's got that all wrapped up. But... I don't care who the Democrats now. The party, as we've said, has is gone. It is a far left party now. There isn't any moderate wing of any significance or size. There isn't any uh, uh, segment of it that uh, is is not some flavor or form of socialist. They want you to believe that it is. They want you to believe Crazy Bernie's off on a tangent and that he's not really uh, the defining. 
policy set for the for the Democrat Party. But a party is what its base is, and it, its base is maybe even to the left of crazy Bernie. So let, let, let's say you're the Democrat establishment, and you're faced with some hard cold truths. You got Bernie number one, Booty Judge number two, and Klobuchar with her Klobmentum number three. You got Focahontas way back there in the background, barely out of the TP, bringing up the tail end. Biden's gone. So you're faced with a dyed in the wool socialist who's not even a Democrat, a gay Guy, 37 years old, loves kissing his husband on debate stages. Can you see Trump have fun with that? And Amy Klobuchar. So you are whoever the grand poobahs in the Democrat Party. You're looking at your options today. And you're, <laughs> you're, you're asking, okay... Can we win with Club? We don't want to put Klobuchar up there because she doesn't have a prayer. Trump's going to wipe the floor with her, and that would mean two women in a row get wiped out by Donald Trump. Two Democrat women in a row. We can't have that. We can't let that happen. Then they're sitting there, and they're looking at Mayor Pete. 37-year-old gay guy, Mayor South Bend, loves to kiss his husband on the debate stage. And they're saying... Okay, how's this going to 37-year-old gay guy kissing his husband on stage next to Mr. Man Donald Trump? What's going to happen there? And they got to be looking at that, and they've got to be saying that despite all the great progress and despite all the great wokeness and despite all the great ground that's been covered, America's still not ready to elect a gay guy kissing his husband on the debate stage president. They have to be saying this, don't they? Now, there may be some Democrats who think that is the ticket. There may be some Democrats who think that's exactly what we need to do, Rush. Get a gay guy kissing his husband on stage, you ram it down Trump's throat, and beat him in a a general election. Really. (laughs) Having fun envisioning that. What he left with... Crazy Bernie. They're left with the avowed revolutionary socialist who isn't even a Democrat. So which of those three, they want to take all three out. They would like to get rid of all three of those. The establishment of the Democrats. But if they can't, which of those three would they rather lose with? Who among those three losing will do the least damage to the Democrat Party going forward? That's what they are facing, if you ask me. So let me give you a another headline. Millionaire takes half of poor person's last $6 so she can stay in failed race for president. This news story just broke. And it is a headline to a tweet from Focahontas. The tweet reads as follows. A young girl came up to me tonight and said, I'm a broke college student with a lot of student loan debt. 
I checked and I have $6 in the bank. So I just gave $3 to keep you in this fight. Focahontas said, we are staying in this fight for the people who are counting on us. So here's Focahontas, a millionaire. Elizabeth Warren has millions of dollars. Not going to get into how she got it. Not the point. She got millions of dollars. She comes in so far back last night, you need a... You need a telescope to see her. She doesn't have a prayer out there. She gets a tweet from a broke-in-debt college co-ed. Says, I checked it. I'm down to six bucks, and I'm going to send you three of And she kept the money. She kept the three bucks and then used the message as a sign she's going to keep fighting for the people who are counting on her. Had it been me, I would have I would have sent the money back and stayed in the race if that was the intent. But you know what this is? This is total absence of any empathy whatsoever. This is so egoistic, it's incredible. Elizabeth Warren can only see this one way. The circumstances of this young girl are irrelevant to her. All she sees, this woman, this young girl loves me. I must stay in for this young girl. Rather than see an opportunity here to score a point, just mind-boggling. This reminds me how when Clinton was having back in the 90s, all these bake sales students in, in, in junior high, middle school were running little, in grade schools, running bake sales to reduce the federal deficit and they were sending Clinton the money they raised 25 bucks here 30 bucks and he was keeping the money promised to apply it to the deficit what was the lesson the taxes you pay are not enough you need to do bake sales for your government you need to raise even more money for your government in addition to the taxes that we are collecting from you And these are the people, we are told, who have all the compassion for the downtrodden, the homeless, the hungry, the thirsty. And you can't find any evidence that they do. You want another shocking bit of news from last night's turnout? In fact, let me me find a graphic here. Trump turnout, and he wasn't even contested dwarfed the Democrat turnout in Iowa, and it happened again last night in New Hampshire. In fact, here's a here's a breakdown of some numbers. Trump's record-breaking incumbent voter turnout. If you are an incumbent and you are unopposed, there's no reason to show up other than to show your support. I mean, your candidate doesn't really need you because he's already got the nomination locked up. Last night, 118,774 people showed up to vote for Donald Trump. 118,774, and they found a bunch of them were Democrats. A bunch of them are stealth, didn't they? They hadn't identified them before. I mean, that that number is close to what the the turnout was for the Democrat candidates who were actually in a contest. 
But here's some even starker comparisons. Obama, who was running in 2012 unopposed. This is the New Hampshire primary. Obama, 49,000 votes. Trump, 118,000. In 2004, George W. Bush, incumbent, unopposed. New Hampshire primary, 53,000 votes. Bill Clinton, 1996, 76,000 votes. And Reagan, 1984, 65,000 votes. Trump is dwarfing every previous incumbent president so far in turnout and votes so far in the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary. It equals enthusiasm, and it, and, and it equals, um, I think, a very energized level of support. And I think much of it, not all, obviously, but a significant percentage of it is driven by the never-ending, ceaseless hatred for Trump throughout the drive-by media. I think a drive-by media is actually being counterproductive for their own interests. I think they are creating Trump support. They're not hurting Trump. They are creating more and more Trump support among people who otherwise wouldn't even be motivated to go out on a night where Trump's election is not even in question. But these are people that want to bow back and show the mainstream media or whoever it is that's, that's angering them that it isn't working. There is so much enthusiasm for Trump out there, it's, it's going to be hard to tabulate. But on the, on the other side... NBC News exit polls showed last night voters between the ages of 18 to 29 made up only 11% of the Democrat electorate. 18 to 20 millennials made up only 11% of the Democrat electorate, far below the 19% of 18 to 29-year-olds who voted in 2016. Now, we keep being told that the Democrats have all this enthusiasm. They hate Trump. It's just about beating Trump. we got to find anybody who can beat Trump. Trump's got to go. Trump's got to go. The Democrat Party doesn't care who. They're so energized. They hate Trump. They hate the name-calling. They hate the mud-slinging. They hate the tweeting. They hate Trump. They hate him. They can't wait to get rid of Trump. There is no such enthusiasm. At least it isn't showing up in Iowa, and it didn't show up in New Hampshire, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders' percentage of the vote that he got, no, he's only opposed by, by crooked Hillary back in 2016, but it doesn't matter. Bernie Sanders, has his support has dropped off the, the map. He, means he barely ekes out a win last night. He wins. It counts as a win, although Booty Judge is still leading in delegates. But the enthusiasm for crazy Bernie is even waning. How do you explain that? Like I said yesterday, the Democrats are offering solutions to problems that no longer exist. And boy, is that ever true of Crazy Bernie. Hey, that time to grab a quick phone call here before the break. We do. So which, which one of these do you think I should go to first? Just give me a number. That would be Bob in Ormond Beach, Florida. Hey, Bob, great to have you. Hello, sir. Rush, it is such an honor since 1988. We love you. Thank you, sir, very much. So regarding the, the, the since this is the morning of the Biden demise, um, it's about leadership. And the irony here is that the Democratic, the DNC, the strategist, the status quo 
the Dem establishment purposely nominates somebody who isn't a leader. They want the opposite. They want a pushover, somebody that will allow their grifting and allow them to, with open arms, steal from the government. It's the same. It's the same reason Hillary lost, and the people in this country recognize a leadership quality of Mr. Trump versus what is lacking in these Dem establishment leaders. I'd love your thoughts. Well, I'm not sure I understand. You you think they wanted Biden because he's a pushover and they can really run the government while he's sitting there and not knowing what's going on? Is that basically your point? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, why didn't you just say that? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to be eloquent because I'm on the air. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, well, if, if if that was their plan, that's kind of up in teepee smoke, isn't it? Yes. So if they it wanted is. a pushover in there that they could actually control for, you said steal money or do whatever. I, well, I, and I didn't mean steal. I mean grift. You know, the typical Democratic establishment grifters that want to. They're going to do that. They're going to do that no matter Biden's. That, 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 I, I'm not trying to diminish your point because your point is right. good that, 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 that Biden was chosen that he was preferred because he's not going to know where he is half the day. And it, it, it he's, and he's admitted this, and he's going to appoint people that are going to actually be... He'll be a Robert Mueller. He'll be sitting up there doing nothing while the real power brokers are people we won't even know, pulling the levers for their own advantage. Um, and if this was their dream, like I said, it's up in smoke. And if that was their dream... What kind of power do these people, if there, if there was this big movement to get Joe Biden nominated, who are these people behind it? Because they obviously don't have much juice. I guess, I, I, I hadn't thought of that. That, 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 uh, that broke college co-ed with six bucks in the bank that gave Focahontas $3 and that Focahontas kept... I just got a note from somebody. You got to remember, Rush, that young girl is hoping that she can get a free education, that Focahontas will forgive her student loan by investing a couple of bucks. <laughs> uh, maybe it makes sense. Okay, here's three bucks. If you get elected, you can forgive my student loan, but it isn't going to happen. And even if that was the objective, Focahontas should have given the money back. Should not have kept them. Somebody, here, I only have six bucks, and I'm going to give half of it to you. You're so important. Crying out loud. But I guess that's why I'm not in politics. Back to the phones. Granger, Indiana. Victor, great to have you, sir. Welcome to the EIB Network. Thank you, Rush. It's an honor to speak with you. Great to have um, you here. You mentioned earlier the three candidates. Who would the Democrats want to lose with? I would have to say Amy Klobuchar would be the one. Um, I think they're still in the process of grooming Mayor Pete for probably a 2024 run, an honest one, and you don't want to put him on the... Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, Still in the process of grooming Mayor Pete. Oh, definitely. He's been groomed his whole career. He ran for... Oh, you mean mean prepped as a... I'm sorry. You meant... Whatever. You meant prepped as a... Yeah, okay, and so they don't want to throw him away, right? They don't, they don't want Mayor Pete to lose now. No, he's the Barack Obama of 2024 is what they're thinking. Really? Is he going to get vitiligo or something? What's that? Nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, 
But I, I really think, you know, he's, he's their big... All right, so, 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 so you think that they would be... I'll just take what you... You think that they, the Democrat establishment, would be content to lose two presidential elections in a row, women at the top of the ticket, Hillary and uh, Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, because they can still they can still blame it on sexist America not wanting to vote for a woman, and they've already started the process of saying Trump's stealing the 2020 election with the Ukraine scandal. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting all their excuses in a row, and then they can pop Mayor Pete in there in 2024 with more... More name recognition, more exposure over the next four years. Why wouldn't they want to lose? And look, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just I'm picking your brain for why wouldn't they want to lose with crazy Bernie at the top of the ticket? Why wouldn't they uh, want abject they socialism want to get creamed? Uh, I don't. I think uh, with Amy Klobuchar, she's a more a safe candidate, and her what her views would be, how she comes across, rather than the extreme. I think they know they need to stay in the center to win on the national level. Whether they believe in the far left or not, you know, they want the far left agenda. But I think they want to stay in the center as far as perception. Well, yeah, I understand the perception of wanting to stay in the center. But perceptions oftentimes are going to succumb to reality. That's the problem with them. That is, I think, one of the problems the Democrat Party has. It is for, for most of my life, the Democrat Party has masked itself and hid from uh, everybody what its real intentions are. And uh, during the Obama years, they started to get brave. And then after Obama, when Trump got elected, they are totally brave. Now, here comes crazy Bernie, some of the other left wing radicals, uh, all the stuff happening on college campus. And it's going to be tough to put that back in the bottle. And I just, I don't believe there is a great middle in the Democrat Party anymore. I said this yesterday. I just don't believe it exists. I don't believe that it exists in the country. How how can there be such a grand and great middle if we are so partisan? If we are more partisanly divided than we've been since the Civil War, how in the world can there be this great swath of moderate people that don't care one way or the other in the middle? And that's what people in the middle are, right? People don't care one way or the other. And so it's a myth that they're there. But everybody in politics lives with the belief that they are there and that they can get them. And that by getting them, they can then define themselves as something that's not radical or not extreme. That we are the middle, straight down the middle. There aren't enough people in that swath, whatever it is. To uh, get anybody elected. Speaking of Klobuchar, this is, um, I, I, I said they've got a new nickname for her. Here's a media montage, number six in three, two, one. Is there Clomentum? Clomentum. There's Klobuchar, there's Klobuchar, and there's Clomentum. Yeah, and when you look at the word, like I have it here on the official transcript, and it looks like a constipation ad that you would see on the internet or on TV. Just clob, you know, clob, clog, clob, clob, mentum. And then you start clob surge. That could be the laxative version of it. Here's Amy Klobuchar herself last night at her headquarters uh, in, uh, in Concord, New Hampshire. Hello, America. 
I'm Amy Klobuchar, and I will beat Donald Trump. I am very mean, by the way. Ask my staff. Donald Trump's worst nightmare is that the people in the middle, the people who have had enough of the name calling and the mud slinging, have someone to vote for in November. I'm John Lennon dream number nine is going through my, my head here. She eats her salad, by the way, with a comb. Did you know that, folks? If you want to know what happened to Focahontas, it's very simple. Bernie Sanders tomahawked her in the back. From the moment that he said she couldn't win because she's a woman, her poll numbers nosedived and the wampum from donors dried up. They had an agreement. They had an, you remember this? They had an agreement not to attack each other. Focahontas and Crazy Bernie. And Bernie broke it. Just one more treaty the white man violated with the native peoples. Indigenous peoples. Focahontas. Anyway, the, the Klobuchar comb and sa- it's true. I'll explain it in a minute. And welcome back. Great to have you with us, my friends. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network, and the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Studies. And no graduates, no degrees, because the learning never stops. 800-282-2882 if you want to be on the program. And the uh, email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. Well, yeah, this is a this is a big thing. All right, let's let's talk about what happened here with the the DOJ, the Attorney General Barr, these four prosecutors, the uh, Roger Stone case, because this, folks, is an object lesson in uh, in presidential follow through. And I, I the the proof of the pudding here is I'm, I'm watching the drive by meeting. Oh, my God, this is horrible. This is so bad. Trump now has no guardrails. There's nobody stopping Trump from doing anything. He survived impeachment. He survived the Russian thing. Oh, my God, there's nothing to stop Trump. This is horrible. This is bad. And of course, that's exactly 180 degrees wrong. Now, the big news here is Roger Stone. Now, you remember Roger Stone was minding his own business one day at home. And then jackbooted thugs, along with CNN cameras, strategically located outside his front door, surrounding his house. At 6 a.m., they stormed in and, 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 and pulled the guy out of bed and run him down to jail and charged him with something or other. Why was CNN there? Who tipped it? Well, we know why CNN was there. This whole thing was a setup. And so Roger Stone is charged with some crime having to do with the Russia hoax. Some involvement he had with WikiLeaks in the Hillary emails. It was specious because this whole thing has been made up. This entire hoax, this entire coup started out with the Steele dossier, four FISA warrants were granted on a fake document to spy on the Trump campaign via Carter Page. There was never anything to it. Not a single crime was committed by the Trump campaign at any stage. 
There was never any evidence of, it a crime, of, of a crime having been committed. So anything that was charged along the way here was purely political. What happened to Manafort, those things that they charged and convicted Manafort on had nothing to do with when he was in charge of the Trump campaign or working there. Sentenced to solitary confinement, sentenced to die in jail, and that's what they did to Roger Stone. They gave him a seven to nine year sentence, hoping he would die in jail. Roger Stone didn't do anything. There's not a person in the world that can tell you what Roger Stone did of a criminal nature that threatened the people of this country, that violated the laws of the country, that somehow helped the Trump campaign win an illegal election. Nothing. Roger Stone didn't do diddly squat. I could go on about this, but I, 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 don't, I don't want to further characterize Roger Stone. Roger, Roger Stone is a... He was an ancillary player who wanted to make himself look like he was in the middle of everything, and he wasn't. But because he put himself out there as a major player and a major advisor, he became a target. When I saw the special counsel was going to indict Roger Stone, that's the first. And But I do not mean this is an insult to Roger Stone in any way, shape, manner, for please don't misunderstand me. Uh, this is none of this is intended to be critical of Roger Stone at all. But, but the fact that they got an indictment and wanted to charge Stone with anything was all the evidence any of us needed. They didn't have a thing on anybody and they never were going to have a thing on anybody because all of this was was factually made up. There was never a story. There was never a hoax. There was never Russia collusion. There was never any evidence of any kind supporting this. This was a pure hatched effort to stop Donald Trump from being inaugurated. And then after he was inaugurated, it was to get him thrown out of office. The Mueller investigation was a very elaborate obstruction of justice trap. A very elaborate process crime trap. Like I told you, they appoint Mueller as special counsel. He gets to the special counsel office. He's got his 16 lawyers there. He says, okay, let me see the file. What's the evidence of the Russia case? There isn't any. You go back two years on this program where I said if Roger, if, if, if Robert Mueller was indeed the man of honor and integrity that they told us he is, he would have refused the gig. He would have not taken that job once he saw that there wasn't a shred of evidence when it comes to anything Trump and Russia. There wasn't any evidence. There wasn't a shred of evidence. There never has been. They haven't produced any. So what happened in those two years? Why did he take that job? Well, we all know why he took the job. He was the figurehead that allowed all of his Democrat lawyers, Hillary-supporting, Trump-hating lawyers, to try to build a case that could be used ultimately in impeachment to get rid of Trump and throw him out of office. And it was in the midst of all that that they ended up charging people that had nothing to do with anything. Roger Stone, seven to nine years. So these prosecutors, and this is the truncated version of this, the prosecutors recommend seven to nine years. And anybody 
who has followed this knows how absolutely atrocious that is. They know how bogus it is. And the fact that the attorney general moved in here to stop it ought to be one of the best indications you could get so far that he and Durham are still working this case. And they still have major announcements yet to come over all of these people that engage themselves in this coup. To shut this down this way, I don't care whether Trump was involved in it or not. He has total freedom to be involved in this. If he can pardon Stone, then what the hell's everybody worried about whether or not he gets involved in the sentence being reduced? And he can pardon Stone. Seven to nine years, Stone's age, that's, that's, he's being sentenced to die in prison. He didn't do anything, folks. Because nothing that was alleged during this entire Russia collusion hoax happened. So all these charges of people like Manafort and Roger Stone, it's just the, it's, it's, it's the only thing they could do to make it look like there were things that went on. Roger Stone got caught up with his own bragging about what he knew about WikiLeaks and who he was talking to about it, just his desire to be a player. And uh, they said, okay, you want to be a player? Well, here's what we're going to happen to you, player. And he gets charged and convicted. And then here comes the sentencing recommendation. And Barr says, this is just ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. Every aspect of this case has been ridiculous. It is nothing more than an elaborate coup. And they're moving in. And they've totally withdrawn those sentencing guidelines seven to nine years. So the four prosecutors resign. Now, who are these four prosecutors? One of the prosecutor was Robert Mueller's lead investigator. These four prosecutors are holdovers from the Mueller investigation who are still trying to make all of their time pay off somehow, some way. And this is Trump and this is Barr blocking them. This is justice taking place, but it's still a matter of some question because the judge... Amy Jackson Berman can do whatever she wants when uh, when when Stone is sentenced on on February twentieth. Now this judge and Trump has tweeted about it. this. This judge is the judge who 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 demanded that that Manafort be put in solitary confinement. Seven to nine years. Can can anybody out there tell me what Stone did? You know what the average rapist sentence is. Four and a half years. Beat somebody up grand larceny, one and a half to two years. Manslaughter second degree starts at 15 years, plea bargain down to under 10. Here's Roger Stone, seven to nine years, and he hasn't done diddly squat, certainly by comparison. So Trump's out there attacking the judge as well, in addition to praising Barr for uh, moving in on the case this way. And it is a gutsy thing for Barr to do. This goes flat out, smack dab right in the face of the Washington establishment and the people who were in, in, in charge and responsible for this coup. But the thing is, the judge can do whatever she wants. Now with Trump attacking the judge, the judge can sense the guy to maintain the seven to nine years if she wants on February 20th. And she could do it out of spite. 
She could do it on the grounds. You're the president. I understand it. But you don't get to tell me how to do my job. I'm independent. I got a lifetime appointment. You don't, you schlub. You can't talk to me this way. Your guy's going to jail for seven to nine years. Despite all this, she can still do that. And then Trump can still pardon him. I have no idea what the judge is going to do, but my my guess would be that she's going to 